myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is Rose Catherine. Rose Catherine is a friend of the show. I've known her for a few years now. She waitressed at a comedy club I was working at frequently, and so we hit it off and we started talking. She's dabbled a little bit in comedy. She's done some stand-up. She's also done some improv, which actually led her to actually going to the Groundlings in Los Angeles. We talk about that in the show. Also, she's done commercial real estate and clothing design. So she's very, very wide array of creativity. In this episode... We discuss clothing design, commercial real estate, and her trips to L.A. for the Groundlings every Tuesday. She would just day trip out there. We also talk about her fear of being the mom of a 13-year-old boy and him basically no longer having a use for her. It's every parent's nightmare to have the kid just basically become totally independent and not rely on you whatsoever. So without further ado, let's get into my interview with Rose Catherine. We are here with my friend and entrepreneur and commercial real estate agent, as well as improv actress, Rose Catherine. How are you doing today, Rose? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, you had a little sister's birthday, so you're probably feeling the feeling it a little bit <laughs> Seven jello shots is not something someone in their 30s should ever try to attempt. That's a definitely a girl in her 20s move, like the seven to eight right. jello shots. It was an amateur move for sure. <laughs> what, what flavor of jello? Was it all different kinds or? Um, so far, I think there were only two flavors strawberry and blue raspberry, which are pretty much the best. <laughs> so. I, yeah. I have not had Jello since Luby's had it in little cubes for dessert, oh. like the green. Oh yeah, that's the last time. That's the first and last time I had regular Jello. I was like, this is absolutely disgusting. <laughs> and so I can't. I can't well, even do Jello at shots. Luby's. Yeah, <laughs> for God's sakes. <laughs> I had it at a senior living facility called Luby's. <laughs> right. That's what they all were because they. You think back to when you were a kid and Luby's. It like people like dressed like nurses were cutting food for you and just. Real. Like they yeah. had the old school nurse outfit. Yeah. It's all early bird specials for sure there. I I walked in there once and saw that it was literally an old people cafeteria and walked out. I'm like, their roles were no joke. Scene. Yeah, but their roles were yeah. no joke. I loved them. Like they had those three top rolls where you just pull the three sides apart oh. and you put the butter in the middle and it just melts. Oh. That was like the highlight of the Lubies was the roll. The rest the of the recipe, the rolls and the fried okra. I never knew I loved fried okra until I went to eat Lubies, and that was oh. an amazing side. It was it was trade, a must have. Trade secret. Okay, I'll I'll remember that. And so you also work in commercial real estate. So yes. when you do that, is this like? like home real estate where you go out there, you have like an open warehouse and you just invite people to come and walk the warehouse and you have like little orders. Oh, no, 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 no. So a little correction there. I'm not an agent. So okay. if I were a real estate agent, then I, it would never really have open houses at a warehouse or they really don't do that at commercial properties, but I just literally hunt for deals. Mm -hmm. Like, I would say six or seven years ago, I met a land developer and he wanted to teach me how to hunt for deals, commercial deals. Mm -hmm. And so he just, he taught me how to kind of skim the internet and drive around and search for land to develop on, whether it's apartment complexes or um, high rise buildings that are retail space and residential to businesses. So I look for land. I look for older commercial buildings, mm -hmm. any kind of property that we can turn into something that we develop. 
Have you found any lately? Like, could you tell me like any that? Let's see. The One of the biggest projects that I'm working on is something in Jacksonville near Austin. And there is a gentleman that has black lung centers for minors mm-hmm. up in Pennsylvania and um, other places. And what they do is, or what he's doing down here is he's doing drug recovery centers and he's doing a place basically where they're going to have beds with ventilators. And so mm-hmm. that'll be really good with the time that we're going in with now yeah. with COVID. Very much so. Need, yeah. They need places to put people on the vents. So that's a pretty big project that we're doing now. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's very, you know, it's very industrious and it's also super noble to find like to find ways to help treat people that have with respiratory ailments potentially either related yeah. or unrelated to COVID. True. I, I wouldn't say noble. I would say there's a lot of government money in that, which is why people do that. But yeah, True. it is. It's something that's very um, helpful in the yeah. moment. It's very positive. Regardless. Yeah. yeah. It's a positive outcome for all parties. We'll go with that. Yes, absolutely. And so not only that, you're also working in designing fashion at this point as well, like you've got a little pet project of doing some clothing. Yes. So I don't just design. I've been designing for, oh my gosh, I would say like 10 or so years. I was almost a fashion major in college, but (laughs) I jumped around a lot. Um, But I do love fashion so much. And I have a lot of connections in the industry just because I work with so many types of investors. Mm -hmm. So I decided to use my connections to my benefit and try to start my own fashion company where I'm going to be selling other people's stuff at first. Mm -hmm. So it won't be original designs, but Mm -hmm. eventually I will sell my own stuff and it's going to be something like a subscription box company where people sign up, they get like a membership and then every month they get a box from different fashion vendors that I'm going to have in there. That's awesome. One, one. Yeah. So it's like a trunk club is kind of, you know, we're going to pick your stuff and yes, but it's, yeah, but it's stuff that I approve of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it'll all, I'll circle back and put my own stuff in there and I'm mm-hmm. doing other stuff with some beauty products, but that's um, kind of where it's headed just because it's so hard to just start a fashion line or yeah. a fashion business oh, with or- yeah. original design. Absolutely. You know? I, I couldn't imagine like saying, yeah, what's, you know, I do, I'm not the first thing about fashion. I know there's, you know, different lines and things like that, that you have to, uh-huh that you're fl- either flattering or in some cases unflattering and you have yeah. to, you have to kind of learn that balance as well as colors and you know whatever you, whatever you're trying to i guess make a look you know some people like kind of the uh the worn rustic like i would call it hipster where it's very yeah. very i would say vintage is almost the way i would re- call it like they yeah. they basically look how my grandpa probably looked in his 20s like it's very <laughs> very it's very uncomfortable to see the guys with like the teddy roosevelt mustache like oh so this is what it was like for uh, my grandpa to be yeah. young yeah full of you know excitement this is creepy yeah yeah i think one of the most beautiful things about fashion is that it's so cyclical mm-hmm. like it the trends just always recycle themselves i love that and now there's like so many trends out there from so many different eras mm-hmm. that it's like impossible to really go wrong with fashion because everyone's about expressing themselves. So it's just, it's a really good era, but it has changed a lot. And online boutiques are, that's what's in, that's what Mm -hmm. sells. And that's what reaches so many people versus like a brick and mortar store. I think it reaches more people and it's, it's more like a person feels more confident because I think that they've, they feel like they've done the legwork and that, this yeah. is this is more of an original outfit than somebody else because as soon as I tell them at the brick and mortar place I got it, they can immediately copy it. Yeah. And yeah. so when you can buy the pieces online and just kind mm-hmm. of accessorize yourself, you become more like, oh yeah. Yeah. You can't copy this. You can't you can you can get the different things, but you can't pull this look off. Absolutely. Yeah. It feels more original. I love buying 
off-brand stuff because people are always like, where'd you get that? Like if you buy from a designer, they only have so many pieces out in a store and that's their whole line. And everyone knows the line for each season that, you know, is up to date on that stuff. And so it's, it's really nice to stump people where they don't know where you got it and they can't really get it. And you're like, this is me. You got to find your own style. Yeah. I do like that. Yeah, there's not much like I would say off-brand quality for men. They can you can kind of tell where people ask you where you got that, but they're usually more more like worrisome about where'd you get that. It's more, <laughs> that's the question you get more as a man when you wear off-brand clothing versus a, a woman. Because right? I feel like for women's clothes, because you do you do so much more mix and matching than a guy does. Mm-hmm. It's men men are shirt shorts, shirt and pants the end yes sometimes you have a yes. sundress and you can wear a top with the sundress you can wear a camisole uh-huh. you can wear a camisole pants there's just so many more i guess mix and match combinations that you could run through yes. whereas a guy it's pants shorts or you know bathing suit <laughs> those are those are yeah. our three options and so when they're off bread it just feels like you can just feel the materials just not and the stitching you can really feel the stitching because it's scraping your back or your neck area where it meets. Yes. So it's way more particular about those certain pieces. Yes. Sure. My joke about Walmart clothes is not a lie. They, the fact, and even the brand names, like it just makes me laugh when they have off brand because their names are so, cl- they try to make their names sound important. Like Walmart yes. for the longest time had faded glory. As, yes. the name of their sh- as the name of their clothes. And I've never been more insulted. I was like, I know why you tell <laughs> We know our glory is faded. If we're having to buy clothes <laughs> here at Walmart, you don't need, you don't need to have that in there. You it faded back in Nome. <laughs> <laughs> it faded long ago. It, fa- it faded in high school. All right. <laughs> but that's amazing. I, I applaud you for doing fashion. That is such a, it's such a, I would say it's challenging just because it's challenging in a fun way just to find looks that people will appreciate. And then yeah, people that, you know, either one can just take these accessories and make them their own. And so you're basically selling the accessory, not the outfit. You may sell Mm -hmm. outfits, but Mm -hmm. you know, you more, I think more of your money would probably come from the, just buying the piece of the accessory versus the entire thing. No, that's so true. I, I feel like being true to yourself in that, Mm -hmm. whereas I'm creating pieces that are my own style that I would always wear, like everything that I create, I would wear. And that way, like it comes out so much more confidently and I can't Mm -hmm. go wrong. I'm not going to put stuff out there that I would be like, ew, I'm not going to wear that. You know, if you're mm-hmm. your true self and it's my true brand, then I mean, take it or leave it, but it better take it. <laughs> since, you're, since you're a mom, I want to know is Noah's fashion. What's his true hit self? Is it? His, his fashion is whatever mom buys me. I don't give a fuck. Okay. <laughs> he just, yeah. He's a boy. Like I try to get him involved in his fashion decisions and I'll go online and like pick out a bunch of stuff and show it to him. And he's like, whatever. Sometimes he he's a little particular about shoes, mm-hmm. but um, for the most part, yeah, he just lets me buy him whatever I want. He's going to make some woman very happy at some point because <laughs> right. they're just gonna, they're just going to pick up your mantle and just take on um, buying his clothes that right. they want him to wear. He's yeah. your own fashion model. That's it. <laughs> or they're going to be like, "Did your mom do everything for you?" And he's going to say yes, <laughs> and he's going to. Yeah. Because it's the truth. <laughs> Do everything for your son. Well, not everything. I would say he's probably he does sports and other things like that that you don't get involved in. You're not out in the soccer field with him. Just. <laughs> I mean, I coached his sports for a long time. Yeah. So I, w- I was out there. Yeah. I'm not playing for him, but I did everything. <laughs> you made sure he accessorized his soccer accessories, like his shin pads. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had everything matching. Always. And you also did improv with the Groundlings in Los Angeles. Tell tell me a little bit more about that. Like, you actually flew out to Los Angeles. 
and back yeah in a day yeah yeah so i was doing stand up a little bit mm-hmm. and then i um like i told you before i got a little scared and i've never had stage fright before and i just didn't feel like i was comfortable on stage and i heard from a lot of people like if you do improv it helps you so much in your stand up and me i've always loved sketch comedy and doing characters and putting scenes together cuz my whole life was an acting background. So it was just natural. Like I, I watched some improv shows and I loved it. So the groundlings was just always one of my first choices. It was my dream. When I was little, I would watch SNL and um, watch Molly Shannon and Will Ferrell and all the greats back then that had their rise in the groundlings mm-hmm. um, before they went to SNL and other successful projects. So that to me, I was just like, Oh my gosh. I, I don't know why, but I feel like now I want to like explore all these things. So I started looking and I was like, Oh, I can audition. And Oh, I can, I can take, there's classes that I can take one day a week. So I wouldn't have to live out there. I could just fly there. So I auditioned, I got in and, um, I picked a class that kind of was perfect. It was on a day I didn't have my son. I would fly out very early on a Thursday morning, um, get there, uh, take a lift about an hour from the airport to Beverly Hills, do, I believe class was three and a half hours, and then um, usually take a ride right back to the airport and fly home. Wow. Yeah. And that's a crazy day. That's awesome, though. But I mean, to follow a dream, sometimes you have to do stuff like that. It's, I mean... What would be, you know, what fun would it be to say no to that? And just, I mean, even though it is kind of yeah. a travel hassle, probably to have to pack. Yeah. We well, probably didn't have to take anything since you're tra- flying no. back. You were no, ca- yeah, you had to make I, slight carry on and that was it. Yep. That, that was it. There were times where I did stay over in Hollywood for the weekend and I had comic friends out there that would take me around and we'd spend time and I'd sightsee and that was so fun. But yeah, for the most part, I did just come right home. So I didn't have to pack anything. I would just pack a notebook and my iPad and that's about it. It was it was a good, easy trip. It was a very, very long day. And I will say that um, for most of the day, every day that I traveled, I was very, very motion sick. Very. What? So yeah, because I would go from, I wouldn't be able to sleep the night before because I'd have to go to the airport so early. And then I'd get on a plane for three hours and then I'd be in a, someone's backseat of a lift in L.A. driving, which they're just jerking you around there for an hour. And then I'd be in class for three and a half hours and then be back in an hour lift and then back on a plane. So it was a lot. Wow. Yeah. I can't imagine. I can't. I just to me, that would just be much of a whirlwind day like to to do all that and to still come back to the same house you left. Right? Yeah. I mean, it, it was, was, it's probably nice to just lay in your own bed at that point and just, uh huh. but I yeah. just can't imagine the mental exhaustion of that walk up to your, your house uh, after six hours of flying, two hours of driving and three hours of, of doing, you know, what you're there to do to come back. Home. Oh Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was taking cheap like spirit flights out there. And so they'd always be delayed. Mm-hmm. So I'd get back way later than I was supposed to. It was always a 20 hour day. Wow. That was a lot. Now, did you, ha- did you have frequent flyer miles credit card for that? Uh, no, I did not. And what's crazy is when I started, I was like, Oh, these flights are like 60 bucks. Like I can afford this. And then a few weeks into my classes, the flights like quadrupled in price. So it was a lot to stick in there. Wow. I yeah. Because quadru- they always quadruple in price. Well, you know, yeah. If you close that browser, you, have, you run the risk of the next time you look at it going up outrageously. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would. That would happen to me every single time I search for a flight. I'd be like, it was just a hundred dollars. Like now you've committed to the hundred dollars. Now it's three hundred dollars. Son yeah, of a bitch. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. It's like they just know how bad you want it and just, oh, 
you notice you look at this earlier. Let's go ahead and apply this bag fee and everything else to it. Yeah. That, yeah. That was the, the frustrating part for sure. So what do you feel like the groundlings, you know, taught you? Like you didn't have to just be comedy. Like what do you think you learned from that, from the groundlings? Just curious if there's anything like above and beyond that maybe you learned there just being yeah. in that environment versus a four-day weekend per se. Yeah. So to preface, what you know is that after I did the Groundlings, I came back and I did a local school at an improv theater called Four Day Weekend. And so um, I got to see both like a local school and then one that kind of pumps out people that have gone all over to do big things. And I would say that in the Groundlings, it was all LA working actors in Mm -hmm. that class. It's all it was. So I just got to see it on a different level and Mm -hmm. it was great. But um, I will say that people were just more disconnected. Mm -hmm. So it was colder. It was colder because they're doing it for a job and they were, it wasn't a new person. That's like, I really want to try this. Just having fun. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It was just people that are used to auditions all the time. And a lot of the um, actors, with an improv course, you're usually only allowed to miss two classes because if you miss any more, you'll get disconnected from the class. And um, you really, it's hard to jump back in, especially in the beginning. And mm-hmm. I swear most of those people missed like half the classes and they didn't even care. They're just like, oh, you have auditions, whatever. And I mean, there were tons of pros to it. I I learned a lot from those people because they were just such advanced actors in, you know, the huge LA pool of acting. But um, I would say coming back to four day weekend and doing the local stuff, I just connected so much more. Mm -hmm. So the biggest benefit I'll say now that I remembered it is that you get to go to their shows and they have a lot of working people that you know of from, you Mm -hmm. know, TV and movies that come back and do their shows or that are still in the Groundlings company. So that to me was like the biggest benefit when I would stay over, I would go watch their shows. I know Flo from Progressive, Mm -hmm. she went there and she's, I think she's still in one of the companies there, but um, she comes back back into shows all the time so that's you know a huge bonus you just get to network with those people yeah you get to network with them and you get to see them perform at a high level like oh yeah it was it was incredible get to see heralds and things like that oh absolutely which if you don't know what a herald is it's basically like a seinfeld episode where it starts on a topic (laughs) and then you go around this whole tangent of different topics and in the final scene, you come full circle right circle back. back. To the, yeah. And so it's it's an amazing feat of just art. Concentration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I I kind of contribute stand-up to almost a science is because I know what I'm going to oh, say. absolutely. And then I just keep saying it different ways scientifically to find the best result. Uh-huh. There is some art to it. Like, there is some art to creating it. But I feel like improv is more art where you just, you're painting immediately oh. as soon as as soon as you start the show you're painting and you don't know what the final product's going to be no, but you're just no. you're painting on an easel of of people's minds absolutely you start with a blank canvas and you're like i don't know what the heck i'm gonna do today but i'm gonna let this paintbrush on the canvas and just let it go and that's exactly exactly what you do it's the beauty of improv it's so different from stand-up in that way but they're both, like you said, they're both sciences or arts in a way where you can yeah. break them down and they're beautiful. They're just. Yeah. I've never taken improv. I know it supposedly does help, but I'm also a stand up person. So I know as a stand up, I would be the worst improver just because stand up is very much the antithesis of improv. Uh, improv is sharing. Yeah. Stand up is selfish. Selfish, absolutely. So basically, improv, you're sharing the stage with other people and you're sometimes setting other people up to get the laughs versus you having the big punch. Yes. And then there are other times when you are, you know, you're they're setting you up and you end up, you know, with the with the big laugh. 
But in yeah, stand up, yeah. you're you're basically taking advantage of every moment. Have this laugh, and so I feel like as a stand up person in improv, then I would steal the show per se. Like I don't mean to say in a mean way, but it would just be I would try to look for me to say the funniest thing at all times oh. versus worry about what this person's you know mm-hmm. setting up. Mm-hmm. And it would be I would be so hated and reviled by my by my castmates as I. As I'm basically just scene stealing is what I believe they call it. Yeah, well, that's a great point that you made because that was my biggest hurdle going from stand up to improv. They said it's so much easier to go from improv to stand up. But when you get into improv, you have to retrain your brain. And like Mm -hmm. you said, you're always looking for the punchline in stand up. You're always looking for the one liners. And in everyday conversations, interactions, that's all you do as a stand-up. I've, I've been writing comedy for so long, even if I'm not practicing it, that that's how my brain works. And I know that's how your brain works too. And a lot of stand-ups where you're just always looking for that. So when I started improv, I was that person and I, I still am. Mm-hmm. And it, it will never change, but it got better in a way where I learned to give people gifts is what they call it. Give them stuff, set them up for, mm-hmm. you know, something because you're all a team and it'll, it'll come back around. But you, I would, in my groundlings class, I remember because my humor is pretty dirty sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, I- <laughs> and when I, yeah, what? And when I got into my, my first or second Groundlings class, I made a very dirty joke in one of our exercises. And people back here would probably laugh, but it was like you could hear a pin drop in the room and it was so uncomfortable. And then I was like, oh God, one, these aren't really my people. And two, I'm not doing what I should. So then I learned to listen more. And Mm -hmm. you, you really do have to retrain your brain and it's so hard then going back to stand up and yeah. then trying to do improv also at the same time. You're yeah. just kind of, it's confusing to say the least. So yeah, that's a very good point you made, but it's, it's hard to get yourself to not do that. Yeah. So at improv, you say yes. And when you're at home with your child, you say no, but <laughs> that's when you, you save all, you save all the no's for your improv class or when your, your son asks you for stuff. That's when you. That's so true. God. <laughs> so speaking of your son, we're, this is a podcast more about fears, but I do like to get to know you as my guest and stuff like that for the listeners and everybody else. To, Absolutely. To show what you do and how good you are and how your challenges and everything that come with it. Yes. Your fear is probably one that every parent has, but I don't know if they qualify it as a fear because it's one of those <laughs> things that's just the looming. It's something that you put on the back of your mind as they're getting older. Mm-hmm. So go mm-hmm. ahead and tell me what your fear is. I think that it's every parent's fear, but we we shelve it so that we don't have to think about it ever mm-hmm. because it's our biggest fear. And it is my child growing up, which he is now, he's 13. And me being the one that he doesn't need anymore and him just going away and leaving the nest. College is going to be so rough because I think I feel like that's why I think that's why college is so hard for parents, like especially moms, because they they shelve that. And then it's just the reality. It's the reality of them walking away with the box. Absolutely. I, I'm a firm believer that the last few years, even now, as my son just became a teenager, the last few years of his adolescence and growing into an adult is just going to be me living in denial because I don't want to ever face that day. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's, it's it, like you said, it was bitter. It's bittersweet because you do want, you want your child to grow up to be a very a great human being. And you see that they are as, as they go through adolescence, you see that they're like nice or they're you, know, you see all the parenting you've done. But then all of a sudden when you go to make dinner and you don't, they don't, they can cook it and you don't <laughs> have to do anything. It's nice. Like yeah. the first few times, but then you start to, well, 
you want to make them dinner. No, it's cool. I got it. And then mm-hmm. that's when it starts is like you hear the when they when they give you the I got it when you offer your help. Oh, yeah, that's where it gets you in the heart. I will say this. My son, he since he lives with me, but he goes to his dad's house sometimes on the weekends. Um, he has basically developed where he's way more independent at his dad's, but he still wants me to baby him. So he'll come home and say, oh, I cooked at daddy's. I cooked us dinner. And I'm like, what? You don't do any of that for me. And then he's like, well, that's because I like when you do it. So I know he's like milking the the kid's side with Mm -hmm. me as much as he can, just as much as I'm milking the, hey, stay little forever. You just don't know how bad that food is, though. It's got to be. It's got to be scary too. Like, how do as a parent, how do you how do you handle your child just putting a plate of food in front of you and not looking like this is not how I make it? And right, kind of. No, he he's his pancakes are better than mine. Really? Yeah, he's he's good. He excels at pancakes and and eggs. He's good. Yeah. So yeah, (laughs) I had that same fear. And then I tasted his and I was like, yours look better than mine. And they are way better. Oh, maybe he has a future in the culinary arts. Is that what he wants to do? Or is he like, what is his, what is his, what is his flavor of the month as far as what he wants to do? Literally, he, he will not tell me. He just does. He's one of those kids that doesn't have it figured out. That's fine. I know that. Yeah. I know that he loves football and he has aspirations like every kid at his age to Mm -hmm. be a pro football player. And he's really good at math. And Mm -hmm. so architecture and stuff like that, sometimes he talks about, but he really doesn't say anything. Like when I was 10, I was reading medical journals. I was like, I am going to be a doctor. And I was, I was steadfast in everything I wanted to do, but Kids nowadays, it's so different because they're growing up with social media and the internet and they're seeing influencers. So that's what they all want to do. Well, then you see all these like weird kids things like it, it, it kind of makes me some of these kids shows make me uncover like kids baking like the food network where they're all these kids are like making <laughs> yes. like amazing meals at like nine or ten. It's like a quiche. Well, yeah, but it's like. Do you the do, as a kid? Do you really want to do this, or are your parents just making you cook right? like crazy? Like, no, if you're gonna cook, you're gonna cook like a chef. And I'm like, <laughs> but is this, is this fun for you? Is this is this really fun, or you know, is this really a fun passion, or is this just a passion your parents are saying you have? You know, it's one of those right? things where your parents are. It's not. I wouldn't call it brainwashing, but it's suggested and implied that you like this. You really like this, and. If yeah. it is if it is fun for them, that's amazing that they're that gifted, that young to do stuff and to know flavors oh, and yeah. stuff. But it just seems it just seems so above and beyond what I would no, ever have dish. my kid do, like to know all the different spices and seasonings. Like I know I want it, I want it to have a Thai influence. Like you were twelve <laughs> years old. I don't you know, how do you know what seasoning and spices? Like, why are you so, you know, like studious on this? If it's it's cool that you are, <laughs> if you like this, if you're if your passion is cooking and you've got it down to that kind of science, but I just don't equate that with being ten. And as a kid, for me, I always wanted to go out. I wanted to be with my friends. I didn't want to be in a kitchen just cooking meal after meal after meal. It's fun to do yeah. on a whim every once in a while. But I don't, I've never equated to, you know, trying to be a chef at that age. Yeah. No, I get that. I will say this, that I was that kid. I wasn't cooking, but I was working from when I was eight years old and I modeled and acted and I was always looking for opportunities like that and pushing my parents to let me do beauty pageants and all these modeling conventions Mm -hmm. and this and that. So I was the kid that was like, go, go, go. And I want to like, I want to conquer the world. And I was a nationally published author at 10. I just had to do that stuff. I don't know why. I just, that was me. So I know it's possible. But yeah, a lot of those things, especially now how it's all changed with social media and kids being more exposed on the internet and doing 
um, shows like that. I think that um, a lot of it is just the parents pushing because they see that their kids can be famous Mm -hmm. or just so much pressure from seeing other kids grow up so fast too on the internet that kids are growing up faster and doing that. Yeah. I like it for me, it just is a fear thing is I would, I would want my kid to have fun more than anything. If that's fun for them, if they're fun going through a recipe and learning about every ingredient, tasting everything, I'm all for it. But I, I just sometimes look at that and I'm like at 10 years old, you're that, you know, you, you've, you've, you've read that much about, and it almost feels like your parents have made you study that. And they, it's almost, I know star anise has a bitter flavor. Is that, do you know it does? Or did your parents just, you know, <laughs> tell you over and over again that star anise, you know, just kind of leading. Yeah. No, I, I totally, I totally see what you're saying in that. That's, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of that. So so you put so you're you've always put it at the back of your mind, but as they get older, that's got to be harder. At ten, at you know five to ten, there's still a lot of dependency on you, and oh yeah, still the emotional outburst and crying, and but as they get older, then they start to develop their identity and have their friend network, and so now you'll have yeah multiple boys over, and that mentality going on just the the slight bullying that <laughs> that young kids do. Oh yeah. They all fight, especially over video games. Yeah. It's their whose turn is it and yeah. late at night you're trying to sleep and all of a sudden you hear the the angry whispers of <laughs> of of three of three adolescents fighting over a game whose turn it is. Right. I'll be sleeping and I'll hear him just screaming on his Xbox Live you're spamming stop spamming me i'm like what are you even talking about and see that's another thing too is i've never i've never been a fan of the live video game i did it for a brief it's just it's just not fun for me to to play against other people or find out you're not smarter than a fifth grader at (laughs) at any video game just having these people just beat you like seven years old just yeah. just completely manhandling your character just oh that was nice good to know i'm not good at this either thanks because <laughs> that's why i feel like video games for me was an escape from okay i have don't have a college degree i have a mediocre job Com- there's nothing doing comedy today this you know my life isn't where i want it to be so i'm gonna play mm-hmm. video games at least to just kind of get over the fact that you know i wish i was better and out of that, you know, you just get online and all of a sudden some seven-year-old just completely back into reality. Yeah. Oh, I'm not good at this either. Okay, what am I good at? What You just start to get real introspective. Like, what am I good at? Candy Crush. Okay. I don't have, I don't have to do Candy Crush live with anybody. I don't have to watch other people be better at that than me. It's between, right? it's between me and that damn phone. That's it. So... Now that you have a 13-year-old, how do you yeah. how do you handle it? Do you you feel like you do you try to do more things? Do you are you feel like you're more offering to do cook dinner or hang out sometimes? Oh, well, it's always been us since the beginning, just mm-hmm. him and I. So it's just kind of like we just have that routine. Like I'm used to taking care of him and just being nurturing and probably sometimes I do too much where he should probably take the reins and and do his laundry and this and that but I'm just so used to it just being him that I just kind of take over and and do everything are you the one that kind of sees the laundry on the ground and just grabs it as you walk by uh I mean I'll definitely say something I'll be like dude your hamper is one foot away and you have dirty Mm -hmm. underwear on your floor but you'll still pick it up and you'll still clean it i'll make him pick it up but yeah i'll still clean it i've gotten to the point where i'll make him bring his hamper into my room and dump the clothes out so it's at least closer to the washer and dryer you drill (laughs) sergeant you're you're a slave driver just right right (laughs) how does it how can he manage yes he has it so difficult When do you think you would let him trust him with his own laundry? Like when you when are you afraid that his whites won't come out pink or 
<laughs> right? I mean, I would now. He does his laundry at his dad's. I'm just, I think for me, it's more of like the control freak. Like, I want it done right. Mm-hmm. I I want to fold it the way I fold it. So it's more or less like he's going to take forever. He's not going to do it. He's not going to really pay attention. So I'm just like, this is the chore that I will just have. And you can do other things. So wow. I, don't, I don't know. If, I mean, I think in a few years, I'll, I'll probably make him do it solely on his own. Cause a few I, years. I knew... When he's twenty, when he's twenty-five, <laughs> right? God, I sound like such a pushover. You know, I dated guys that hated laundry or didn't know how to do laundry, like so much that I had to do their laundry. So I've seen the adverse effects of of a parent doing mm-hmm. what I've done. So I'll make sure he does it eventually. <laughs> When he, when that guy messaged you out of nowhere again, like, thanks for reminding me. I need my child to do laundry. Thank you. Right? No, I still am not interested in dating you, but thank you for reminding me. I need to teach my son how to do laundry. So do you feel like he, like he wants independence or do you feel like he kind of still plays into the mom? Uh, both for sure. Like kids at his age, I remember when I was, well, I remember my sisters were making fun of me because I asked for all toys for my birthday. Mm-hmm. And I like had these moments in the car where I was staring out the window and I'm like, I'm not a girl, but not yet a woman. <laughs> I remember these song. And I was like, I just want to just ask for toys, but they're making fun of me. So I guess I'll ask for grown up things too. And that's, that's kind of where he is. And I can see it. Mm-hmm. He just, he, he still wants to be the mama's boy, and I'm sure he always will be to some extent, but mm-hmm. he's independent. He's very independent like I am and like I was, so I don't worry about that too much because he can yeah. do his own thing, but I can tell he really wants to be babied at times, mm-hmm. and he'll come around and you know want to cuddle, but that's, that's few and far between. He's... Mm-hmm. He's definitely... And it's when um, you don't want him to cuddle. It's when you're, like, busy watching something you want to watch, and all of a sudden the door kicks open, like, oh, you're obviously avoiding me because you don't want to do anything. Let me just completely... This door kicks open. I came to cuddle. Yeah. Like, it just... They just dive bob in like they're seven, and, like, they're... They they don't... You don't realize it's... It's like a Labrador. When they're puppies and stuff, it's cute when they jump on the bed and jump on you. It's so adorable, but now they're, like... 80 pounds heavier. Yeah. Well now it's, he disguises things like that in meeting me. Like he says he's hurt. I'll be like, I'm a headache. And then he'll just lay down and be like, rub my head. So he'll like pretend he's hurt or tired. So he'll take your drama cues and yes, be extra. Yes, yeah, Very dramatic. in those moments. It's typhoid. I know it. I have malaria. <laughs> I only have 24 <laughs> hours to live. Please cuddle me and make it go away. Yes. But, but there are things. I I do remember, you know, my mom doing certain things. Like, I remember if I have stomach ailments, like, I will do things that my mom did for me. Like, I will open a can of Sprite, you know, whenever I'm really sick or dehydrated. Uh-huh. Like, nothing to me when I'm, like, having a stomach problem tastes as good as a Sprite. It's, it it is. It's like it's it's a magic elixir when you're sick and mm-hmm. it's delicious. I've always kept that, you know, as one of my comforts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mom knows right. So when do you think he's gonna leave? Do you think he's gonna come back? Like he's like after nineteen twenty all of a sudden he's gonna come back and live at home or is he gonna be completely independent as soon as he's as soon as he's he, he can move out, ah. he's out on his own, or is he gonna Come back. You no, know, I think he's probably going to end up going to college at UNT. Mm-hmm. He talks about that a lot. So I think he'll live locally, just not live with me. Mm-hmm. He'll be over so at your that, house. He'll be a constant visitor. Right? Stay over at your house uh, using all your cable and everything else. Okay, I got, no, oh, yeah. it's time to go. It's one in the morning. You're going to bed. I'm going to go ahead and go home to my place. And take all the snacks. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't mind it because, you know, I'm a mom. But 
Yeah, I don't. He's so independent that I don't think I'll have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think he'll be the kid that never wants to leave the nest, mm-hmm. but he'll always like hover. Yes, he'll, he'll hover. So that's that's what comforts me now. That's yeah. what puts me to sleep at night. I'm like, he's not going to go too far. <laughs> he's not moving across country. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What if he gets a if he gets a scholarship to like California or NYU or something like that? Then what? Definitely getting that frequent flyer mile credit card. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different animal. If he, it's cool that he wants to stay local because obviously he's definitely close with both you and his dad. So it's really cool that yeah. he definitely can you know thinks like I don't want to be too far away. Yeah. That I can't see you guys. And so it's nice that he has that kind of because some kids are like, I want as far away from here. And it, maybe it helps. It's a big city because I think smaller mm-hmm. town kids are like, get me out yeah, of here. They need to get out. Please yeah. let me go somewhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, local is you're still you can still be across town and it's an hour away. So you can have your space and your independence, but you're not too far to go home at night if you need something. So another parenting question, which of, which of you is going to teach your son to drive you or dad? Oh my gosh. I've been thinking about that so much lately. I don't know. See, I know his dad's very controlling, so I feel like he might try to, but I'm with him more. And also I'm the better driver and his dad can't like find his way out of a paper bag. Wow. <laughs> if I'm being honest, he's just Shots not good at directions. <laughs> yeah. He'll admit it too. Yeah. But I mean like for the parking lot and the, the initial. I, I, I think me like, I, to be honest, and this isn't, you are me brave. my own horn. I just know I'm a way better driver than him. So I, I think we'll both do it. It won't mm-hmm. be a matter of like picking either one. Who's probably going to wig out more. Break, 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 break. Who's going to lose it? I don't know. That might be me. Yeah, it <laughs> might be me. But he's, he's really, really, really good at like everything he does. And when mm-hmm. he's, he drives his dad's um, golf cart at home and he's really good with it. So I don't think I'll have a problem with him driving. Well, are you going to teach him stick or are you just going to let him just be automatic? Oh, no, I don't even know stick. Then <laughs> <laughs> I guess that goes to dad if that ever does happen. Right? I, I recommend yeah. that every kid first car be a manual transmission. Just it's a very good skill to have, even if you don't. Yeah. Even if it does I make agree. you nervous. I just think mm-hmm. it's one of those things where if you can learn to drive that, then you have no qualms with any kind of vehicle you step into. Yeah. It's very, very true. And and that's how I grew up. I, I learned, I had several people teach me and I could catch on to just about anything, but man, I, I drove someone's car home from, I forget where one time, but he was like, drive it home, just drive it. You'll be fine. And I can't even tell you how many times I stalled out. Like I knew the mechanics of it, but just letting off that clutch is yeah. just so hard to get used to. It's definitely a feel thing that you have to throttle oh, to shift oh, ratio. Absolutely. And you got to know the car too that you're driving. Yeah. You just got to give it a little bit more than you think you need. And then mm-hmm. it'll, you'll pick it up. But I've had a couple of, I've done both. And I, I will say that, you need to learn it when you're young and you're not driving very everywhere. Once you start to get to where you are driving a lot, then uh-huh. switch to automatic because when I, I had a, a five speed to start, then I got an automatic that I drove at night and then I had the six I had a six speed sports car and I had that till some lady totaled me. I was I went through two clutches and Oh, wow. My next car was an automatic, and I was like, I get it now. I was like, because I was just sitting in stop and go traffic. <laughs> I would sit in so much stop and go traffic with that six speed, and that's a lot of clutch and neutral out and oh yeah, shift to get into first gear to just kind of inch forward a little bit, then clutch back in to take it out. And yeah. It does get to be cumbersome. And so. Yeah, that's that's a lot. You got to pay attention. You got to be hands-free with everything else. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of work. Yeah. That's the other thing, too, is you've got to, is they'll be great with you in the car as far as teaching them. 
but it's that one time where they just get a little too confident with their skills. Yeah, that's the scary part, especially with distracted drivers nowadays. So what animal will you adopt once Noah decides? <sighs> what what animal oh, are you going to baby once your once oh. your baby is 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 no longer a baby, which he's not now, but Well, if you paid attention I hear to one my crazy life. Yeah, well, I I have stacks on stacks of animals right now. I feel like I've I've slowly been collecting them so I have a support system when he leaves. I have two cats and two dogs, so mm-hmm. God forbid I get anything else. One of them will probably eat me in my sleep. I don't think they'll eat you. It's too too much. Too much. Do you call do you call them his siblings? <laughs> we do. We do sometimes. Take your yeah, brother for a walk. <laughs> yes. Once he called them, uh, he called himself dad at, to them and me mom. And I was like, no, <laughs> it's not how it works in the hierarchy. <laughs> Sorry, Oedipus. This is not happening. Right. If we're doing this, your brother, you're not dad. <laughs> oh, Jean. <laughs> So what what advice would you give to young parents of younger kids that probably, you know, have that fear, but right now it's not as prevalent as it's getting with you because like I said, it's slow, it's slow, it's a slow buildup of independence. It's certain things all of a sudden they start doing on their own. Yeah. That you would cherish the time that they they do need you. Right. Um, I would just say that I mean the you know, you can't prevent it. Yeah. Some kids just grow up to resent you regardless of how you are. But the only thing you can really do is just be the best parent you can be. Because yeah. that's the only thing that's going to rear them in the way where they'll be in your life forever. They're mm-hmm. going to be good people, growing into good adults and making good choices. So, I mean, I think about that all the time and I'm just like, well... I can't stop him and I would never try to yeah. because I want him to be everything he can. I'm just going to be the best mom I can be mm-hmm. and hopefully he'll make the right choices and love me forever. Yeah. And you know, he'll let me cook for him whenever. <laughs> right. Yes. I'll be that mom that cooks a feast when he comes home. <laughs> All his favorite things. Just, just like he likes them. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Well, I thank you for doing this, Rose. No, if you want people to find you on social media, where would they look? I guess uh, Rose Catherine Epler mm-hmm. on Facebook or Rosie underscore nose mm-hmm. R-E on Instagram. That's about it. <laughs> that's good. But that's also another parent's nightmare, too, is your kids old enough now that in the social media age that all of a sudden they're on social media. It was it's different when oh. you're the kid and your parents aren't on there. So it's like your own space. But now yes. this next generation of parents where their kids all of a sudden right? move into that space. Yes. Now you feel like you're hiding from your parents, but it's your child. My yeah. child's policing me. <laughs> and, you know, that's my space, especially as a comedian, to say whatever I want. I I want to sometimes be snarky and cuss and and post selfies of myself or do whatever I want. It's self-expression, which is why social media was created for adults. Yeah. And and kids don't really get that. Their brains aren't developed enough to, to be there. But how yeah. do you feel like kids should be before they get onto social media? You know, I feel like they should be 16 or so. I know most of the children in my family that are 10 and above have social media accounts. And I think that's crazy. Mm -hmm. My son just made an Instagram and the only reason I let him was because it's private. He not, he didn't really accept anyone and it was just for gaming. He said, Mm -hmm. but it, it terrifies me until a child is really old enough to, to know about trafficking and everything else that Mm -hmm. goes on on the internet consequences I don't think and, they should be on there yeah yeah and that's a good call and it's it's definitely a thing that I guess newer parents you know worry about more than 
our parents ever did. I mean, our parents still worry and we're adults on so on social media and, you know, talking about yeah. things. And now you have kids that, you know, just going to post, you know, videos of, you know, things going on. Yes. Well, I thank you again for Rose for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon about your fe- other fears. Yes. Thank you. So that was Rose. We had a lot of fun talking, made a lot of jokes at her expense. It's a real fear. I, I can't imagine having the habits of doing all these things for your child and them eventually just kind of taking over and you no longer ha- finding that use. You try, try to cook for them. No, I cook now. Do their laundry. No, they do that now. So your child goes from being completely reliant on you to you being completely reliant on them needing you for something. I think it's really interesting that there's really no real advice for this kind of fear. That everybody has to approach this fear in their own way. Like every parent knows this day is coming. And it's a bittersweet because you want it to happen. You want your child to grow and to be successful. But then that comes with the sacrifice of you no longer being able to kind of control or steer as much as their life as you started to. It's been an interesting week for me. Um, slow week after a comedy week. I uh, did some open mics. Did a couple shows at the Backdoor Comedy Club. Had a great time. Uh, comics tried to get me to karaoke, which was a hard pass by me. And so I Irish goodbye before I was peer pressured any further. If you like this show, please leave a leave a good review. If you have some feedback or ideas for the show, please send me an email at somefearfans at gmail.com. I'm happy to listen. I thank those of you who have listened. I'm trying to work on my Instagram, get it a little bit better. Twitter as well. Trying to get a little bit more active on the social media front. Maybe even post some on my face. I've been told by an Instagram coach that that is a better way to do, to be relatable, to humanize yourself. I feel like a robot sometimes, so I don't... I always just feel weird just recording myself. It just feels so self-indulgent. Oh, look at me. Plus, I'm easily frustrated, so after like two or three times of not getting it... I may just wig out and have to put my phone down and go breathe. But look out for those. Um, If you want to follow the show, it's at Some Fear Fans on Instagram. As well as we have a Facebook group. Holidays are come and gone. I did not go home to visit my parents. Uh, My mother's husband had a heart attack. Not a major one, but a minor one, which is still kind of a big deal. And so... The medical advice to them was that I, that no outside people come in and kind of, I guess, possibly pass germs in his recovering state. So I stayed home. I cooked my own turkey tenderloin. But I use, it's like a tenderloin, pork tenderloin, but just turkey. Um, fennel is one of the seasonings, and it turned out really well. So I made sweet potato mash, green beans, roasted asparagus. And sautéed mushrooms as well. Also some green beans and and some mirin. Hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. I've got a lot of family fears that are lined up. So this month may be a lot of parents and children, you know, with fears, you know, that are family related. So keep tuned to the podcast. Share with a friend if you like what I'm doing. If you think it could help somebody. Let them know about the show. Thanks again for listening. And now some credits and thank yous for the people that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater, who does my graphics and design for my comedy as well as my podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhite2o. Get it, Whitewater. Also, a big thank you to Gunnar Olsen for my music. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns. That's G-U-N-B-U-N-S. You can also check out his website at gunnarolson.net. And you can check out his awesome EPs and some music he's got coming out. Real excited for him. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio on all social media. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O. 
If you want to follow the show, I highly recommend it. Instagram and Twitter is at Some Fear Fans. Facebook group is Some of All Fears. If you want to, if you have questions for the show or feedback, email me at SomeFearFans at Gmail. If you want to be a guest on the show, also email me at SomeFearFans at Gmail.com. We can make that happen. Please keep leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you listen to. I, appreciate, I just appreciate seeing that people like what I'm putting out. So if you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a review. I appreciate all of you for listening. And next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening to The Sum of All Fears. <laughs> <laughs>